0: Oh, hello, my name is Matthew Castro. You are listening to the new and improved titled podcast now called A Pastor in His Newspaper with Dr. Castro. A weekly podcast helping you read the news with your Bibles in your hand. The premise has not changed, only the title, which was, to be honest, uncreative and generic. So I wanted to call it Hold My Seltzer. Because I enjoy water uh, seltzer water like a lot of people nowadays, but That also doesn't really reveal much of the goal of this podcast. However, it is funny, uh, but doesn't really get to the heart of what this podcast is about. So the new title is A Pastor in His Newspaper. This podcast will attempt to present a weekly commentary on news events to help the church read the news with the Bible in their hand. And to give you kind of an historical significance to the title of A Pastor in His Newspaper, famous German theologian of the 20th century and mentor to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Karl Barth, once said, you preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Take your Bible, take your newspaper and read both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. And so using that as inspiration, uh, the title of this podcast is now A Pastor in His Newspaper. So when you go on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, and you look up A Pastor in His Newspaper, you will see a picture of me. Um, actually at a Tennessee football game of all places uh, today I will attempt to bring my Bible to the issue of the day so let's not delay let's get started reading the news with our Bible and when I focus on an article if you aren't aware of what's going on currently this week a big world events has happened on Monday Uh Putin, Vladimir Putin sent his military into Ukraine. This has been building over the last several weeks, if not months. And uh, so he has finally crossed into Ukraine. And and so he is, um, has uh, invaded Ukraine. Um, and so David Sutter writes in the Wall Street Journal uh, an article entitled, Weakness at Home Drives Putin to Invade Ukraine. And this is looking at this issue from an interesting perspective and angle. And so, uh, David Sutter, who has written extensively on Russia and its government and its society, provides an interesting perspective of recent Russian aggression into the Ukraine. So, first, let me state the facts of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. In 2014, uh, the Russian uh, military invaded Crimea, which is the, in the southeastern corner of Ukraine, during the Winter Olympics hosted by the Russians. Ironically, Uh, the winter Olympics seem to be Putin gets in the crazy madman invading mood during the winter Olympics. And so the winter Olympics ended in China on Sunday. And then on Monday, Putin sends his military into Ukraine. So Putin has established a, a foothold in Ukraine and eight years ago, eight years later has decided to bite off another section of Ukraine for, for his Russian empire. Now, he has mobilized troops into the Donbass region, which is in east, in the eastern border area of Ukraine and Russia. Now, Jonathan Finer, White House Principal Deputy National Security Advisor, said on CNN Tuesday morning, we think this is, yes, the beginning of an invasion. Russia's latest invasion into Ukraine. An invasion is an invasion. And that is what is underway. Mr. Putin informed the world that they are not conquerors, but rather that they are liberators. He says in his address to Russia on Monday, this is a quote from Vladimir Putin, the situation in Donbass is becoming critical. Russians has every right to take retaliatory measures to ensure its own security. This is exactly what we will do. He claims his soldiers and tanks and fighter jets are peacekeeping measures to bring peace to his persecuted Russian-speaking comrades in Ukraine. And you have to give Putin credit here for his masterclass and evil dictator propaganda. Putin's ability to play the peacemaker while simultaneously making war is Putin's finest dish. He plays the Cold War game very well, and Stalin would be proud of its dear son and how it plays the game. Now, Jared Baker, in his article, How the U.S. and, U- and Europe Lost the Post-Cold War, yesterday argues for the start of a new Cold War. We are in a new cold war is what baker is saying i would state that we have been in a cold war for several years now with the chinese now russia and china are allies in their fight against american economic military and cultural dominance in the world but america failed to influence the losers of the cold war i mean we think about the fall of the soviet union in 1991 and how america came out of that period as the victor of the cold war but we didn't win the post-Cold War. We were unable to, to refre- reform or to persuade uh, the, the nation of Russia and China and North Korea and other communist nations to be a part of the American world order. And so there's an ideolog- ideological conflict uh, currently. And, and we had an ide- ideological conflict throughout the 20th century. And now it's back. America has lost the post-Cold War. And now we wake up in 2022 to emerging powers who have rejected liberal democracy, has rejected the American world order and have embraced totalitarian regimes. However, I want to return to David Sutter and his article because I believe the reason for the invasion by the Russians or better stated Putin into Eastern Europe, Eastern Ukraine hits at the issue of idolatry to Putin and the wider Russian society. The belief That they are citizens of a powerful state is vital to the identity of the Russian psyche. In 2014, after Putin invaded Crimea, his approval rating went from 60% to 80%. Pride in the Russian nation was at an all time high. Now, David Sutter argues that Putin is attempting with his new excursion into Ukraine to recreate the Crimea effect. When the Russian people were distracted from their sufferings by the hands of Putin himself eight years ago, and euphoria and pride in the strength of their nation took over, they believed anything was possible. However, the real truth under the surface in Putin's Russia is an unstable society with massive corruption. In January 23, 2021, protests broke out all over Russia in reaction to the arrest of anti-corruption blogger Alexei Navalny and the contents of his film, A Palace for Putin. Putin built a 190,000 square foot home on the Black Sea with taxpayer dollars. Russian citizens failed more, uh, failed, filed more complaints with the European Court of Human Rights than the citizens in any of the 46 countries that make up the Council of Europe. Russians filed 13,645 complaints in 2020. The UK citizens only filed 124. Putin's government arrests and silences opposition. There's no independent press. There is no free elections. There are no fair justices. The Russian economy is dependent on oil and gas exports alone. Yet Russians love a sign of strength, and it fills them with pride. David Sutter illustrates an experience while living in Russia in his article. He writes, During my my years of living and writing in Russia, I frequently encountered the readiness of Russians to identify with the power of the state. On the spring day in 1980, I was standing in line for potatoes when a fight broke out in the queue, which is language in Britain for line. A man began shouting, these lines are a disgrace. How can we live like this? The crowd became animated, and an old woman said, never mind. The whole world is afraid of us. Russians, after the fall of the Soviet Union, were led to experience the syndrome of the Weimar Russia. A longing for past greatness. Putin has simply exploited that longing for past greatness. The events of this week have invoked memories of a powerful past for Russians. And Putin again blinds their eyes to their suffering from his own hands. And he is celebrated as a liberator by those he has exploited. So what does this mean for us? What are the applications for us as Christians? As American Christians, we must be watchful for our own societal blind spots. Naturalism can be an idol where Christians identify more with their nation than with Christ. The primary source of our identity as Christians is Jesus Christ and not our national citizenship. One of the major sins of the prophet Jonah was naturalism. His natural pride prevented him from fulfilling God's calling on, on him, which was to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh so that grace from God may be given to people of Nineveh. And during the time of Jonah, King Jeroboam II of Israel restored the border of Israel and expanded their, their territory, expanded their land. This is, 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 is documented in 2 Kings 14.25. And King Jeroboam II, who was an evil king, but he was able to restore pride in the national identity through military victories. A patriotic spirit was high during that time in the northern kingdom of Israel. And Jonah was a supporter of of the king's tactics because the king made the nation strong again. God's command to go to Nineveh to to Jonah was a betrayal of patriotic duty. God was betraying the interests of Israel by desiring to show mercy to Nineveh, the enemy of Israel. Israel hated Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, an evil, evil empire that threatened to conquer Israel. And God asked Jonah His prophet to go against his nation to go against the nation of Israel a better plan in Jonah's mind would have been for God to send someone to assassinate the king of Nineveh or better yet send a plague that destroyed the entire nation of godless people now Jonah's commitment to naturalism over obedience to God causes him to flee even in Jonah's defiance on the ship in the storm he described himself to the sailors as primarily a Hebrew they asked him who he was, and he says, Well, I am a Hebrew, in Jonah nine, His natural identity is the first thing out of his mouth. He is loyal to his king, Jeroboam II, and his nation before his God. Where, where is your significance and security grounded? Where is the real roots of your self-identity? You know, Peter, the apostle Peter, the, one of the disciples of Christ, one of the inner members of Jesus' inner circle, Peter is called out by Paul and Galatians for the same sin. Galatians chapter 2 verse 11, Peter drew away from the Gentile brothers because Paul said Peter feared the Jewish brethren who had come from James. Therefore, the rest of the Jews separated themselves as well based on the actions of Peter, including Barnabas. Peter was in sin. He acted contrary to the gospel. Paul says, Paul said to Peter, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are not justified by our nationality, by our faith in Jesus Christ alone is how we are justified. The strength of our nation does not give us value. God loved us and sent his son into the world to reconcile us to himself. We were we have value. To God in Christ Jesus alone. Do not fall into the sin of nationalism. Celebrate God's goodness on America. That is fine to do. But let it not lead you to hate other nations. Let it not lead you to take pride in your flesh or what your race is or what your ethnicity is or what your nation that you come from. Rather, boast in Christ alone. May your identity in Christ be what you reveal to others. Even more in your weaknesses, when I am weak, I am strong in the Lord, Paul says. Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, you do not need a strong political leader to give you pride, to satisfy your longing. Boast in Christ Jesus, who will lead us to our sweet and blessed country home. There's a, a, a poem or a, a prayer by a 12th century French monk named Bernard. He says, Jerusalem the golden, with milk and honey blessed, beneath your compil- compilation, sink heart and voice oppressed. I know not, oh, I know not what joys await me there, what radiance of glory, what blitz beyond compare. O oh, sweet and blessed country, the home of God's elect. O oh, sweet and blessed country, that eager hearts expect. And mercy, Jesus, bring us to that dear land of rest who are with God the Father and Spirit ever blessed. Our true country awaits us. May we boast in our true King, who needs no tanks or battalion to expand his kingdom. He will rule the nations with justice and righteousness. His people, citizens of his kingdom, will praise him as the true Lord, who brought salvation to his people with his blood, not with bullets, not with bombs, not with chariots, but through his blood, who offered himself up to give us liberation. Worthy is the lamb we will sing and praise in heaven. In Revelation, we, we see this scene before the throne, in the throne room of God and the crying out, the praising, the singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. He received wealth and power and and might and honor through his blood. And I just want to say this to my Russian brothers and sisters and my Ukrainian brothers and sisters God is on the throne. Boast in Christ alone not in your nationalism, not in your uh, identity as in your citizenship, but both in Christ alone. And may we pray that justice will be done. We, we can be assured of this. If Putin does not put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will swiftly be judged. And that judgment will be right, and it will be good, and it will be terrible. So we do pray for him. We pray for others who attempt to, to expand and receive power and honor through conquest, they will be judged by the one who receives all, who has all power and has all honor and all power and wisdom, and that is God. So I want to encourage you just to kind of reflect on your identity. Do you identify with Christ alone? Or do you find yourself identifying with where you're born and what your nationality is? So this is uh, this has been a uh, this has been an episode of the pastor and his newspaper with Dr. Castro Thanks for listening I am Dr. Castro keep reading the news with the Bible in your hand. We'll see you next week.